Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome back to Blighty Day Fiance, where you can listen to a transatlantic couple break down all the highs, lows, and the in-betweens of your favorite new member of the franchise, 90 Day Fiance UK. My name is Michelle. With me, as always, is the Peter Gabriel to my Kate Bush, my husband, Robin. In the sense that you worked with me once, and it was quite good. But you never really work with me again, and now you've become a recluse. Well, egg on your face, because that's not true at all. They worked together many times over the years, and uh, I expect remain great friends. I think they probably do. I think he's probably quite a nice man, Peter Gabriel. Over here in this country, we know him for two things, probably. Sledgehammer, right, when he had a bunch of fruit flying around his face. Everyone remembers that video. Um, And and the fact that he has an enormously expensive studio in Bath where lots of very rich people record music. Um, We, we, I should say, are in an enormously cheap music studio in our back garden. Um, But we can dream, right? Yeah, of course. Can yeah. manifest it. We can manifest it. Uh, it's quite nice here. We haven't got any sort of um, world music instruments around, but there's a few guitars, a piano, um, a few things. One day we might sing for you, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> News to me. Um, yes, and talking of Kate Bush, or as we would say in America, speaking of Kate Bush, happy birthday, if you're listening. Doubt very much that you are at this point, but... Uh, in my wildest dreams, 
because Kate Bush is um, a shiro of mine and has been for a very long time. I don't know why we're really talking about this, other than we've been on a bit of a jag for the last 24 hours. So when Michelle goes, uh, because she is a super fan, when she goes on a Kate Bush jags, it means that she's prone to sort of getting hyper-emotional and bursting into tears at any moment. <laughs> so <laughs> and- <laughs> expect that. It's going to be a weepy one today. Yeah, that's exactly where we are. and it's and And it's right. And it's also right that I watched probably three hours of archival footage yesterday because BBC Two was running a lot in honor of her birthday. Interviews with lots of other artists who were influenced by her. Um, I think there's a 90% chance we've lost everyone at this point. No, it's very in vogue, isn't it? Because she's fashionable again, right? Because of... Uh, yeah, because of Stranger Things. Yeah. All right. So we're actually really current and, and vogue-ish. Yes. Doing yeah. All right. Sweet. Hey, kids. Hey, 12-year-olds watching a show that you're too young for. Uh, (laughs) We like something you like. And yet you cut my joke about (laughs) last week. Oh, I'm going to have to find a beep. All right, let's get on with this nonsense. (laughs) Okay, so I want to say from the outset that I think you and I share this opinion. As usual, we haven't really spoken about the episode much before recording this, but on this very contentious point, I think we are agreed, which is that we don't hate Richard. No. I expect to get a lot of heat for it. I know. But I have a lot to say about it. And um, Richard, if you're listening... Know that for the time being, mm. we're on your side. <laughs> yeah. It's difficult. I know that I'm making a huge mistake. And I know Richard will let me down. Um, I see it coming. He's already sort of let me down. Look, we'll get to it later. But just a uh, spoiler warning and trigger warning. And everything. <laughs> um, people that aren't massive fans of pretty misogynistic, unpleasant control freaks um might might want to might want not listen to victoria's section <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um all right let's go on with this nonsense i'm coming in hot all right so host and bridey not a whole lot to say here um they do agree that they're ready to move into the next stage of their relationship whatever that may be um they accept that the reality is that whether he can come to the UK is not something that's in their hands. Yeah. Um, so they're unsure about the next steps as a result of that. And probably I'm going to go with childhood trauma and possible history of bad breakups. Bridie isn't confident about the direction it's going in, even when host reassures her. Um, and I can sympathize with that. I'm sure that's, that's really difficult. So here's the thing. It was weird, right? Um, we've got two, um, essentially like there are four couples in this episode, right? And two of them are like footnotes, right? They're little addenda. They're things that it, it, I've kind of felt like we covered in the last three episodes. Yeah. It's really weird. Um, our American cousins, um, and you know, half of you are American cousins. Interestingly, our listenership so far, pretty much straight down the middle, half UK, half US. So, um, but I don't, I also want to thank and express gratitude to our listeners as far away as Australia, 
and Netherlands. So Jesse's listening. Jesse's listening. <laughs> Definitely Jesse. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, um, that's a sidetrack. But what I wanted to say is, I know that in the US, um, what we got as three episodes were all sort of smushed into into one. I believe, um, slightly shorter, maybe. So they might have cut some stuff out for you. Um, but a lot of people were saying, "Wow, that went super quick," and it did go super quick, right? Some of these storylines went super super quick, which is why I was a little bit disappointed this week when they got stretched out again. It's like, it's an accordion TV show. It's like, <laughs> it was weird. Like we condensed it all down and then we, oh, let's have a bit more. So quite weird. And and the Bridian host thing was probably the weirdest of all. Like I didn't really feel that we got very much that we didn't get last time. No, we didn't gain a whole lot from that. And, and just to say, I'm not, uh, I mentioned childhood trauma and past abusive relationships. I am in no way a mental health professional. I know nothing about anything. I'm, I try very hard not to be an armchair therapist because mental health is a significant aspect or mental illness, I should say. It's a significant aspect of my life in case you couldn't tell already. So I will try um, not to say that, but I, I just, I feel like uh, those kind of abandonment issues come from a, a genuine and real and deeply felt place. And she's not being unpleasant for the sake of it. I guess I, I'm trying to get ahead of that. Yeah, I never got the feeling with Bridie that actually she is particularly unpleasant. I think like she knows the thing that she does wrong and she wants to be better at it. And I, I think she's working at it, but she constantly fucks up. Yeah, and when you, to be fair, when you have people around you constantly telling you that you're jealous. Yeah. And that you pop off at the slightest provocation and that you're constantly screaming at people, then you will believe that about yourself. And and to be fair, like when Host agreed to do the um, the nude quiz at the Beirut pub, that was, I'm mixing it all up, aren't I? Like, all I'm saying is, um, I don't actually think she's got anything to worry about. I think there are other people on this show <laughs> that you might worry about when it comes to jealousy. We really don't have any sign that there's much to worry about with hosts. And the the tenderness is is totally there, right? Every time they kiss, there's magic. It really, the chemistry, yeah. the sparks are flying right off the screen into our eyeballs. It really is uh, palpable. And that's something that honestly... There are lots of aspects of the production that are missing from 90 Day Original Recipe, as as I call it and some others call it, and it's nice to see them, one of which is the expediency of the narrative and kind of things moving very quickly rather than these arguments being exaggerated and dragged out forever. But one thing that is certainly not exaggerated is the cognitive dissonance... <laughs> between victoria and sean um i think we can go to them now right i think so i i don't want to feel like we're selling bridie and host short and i think their journey is ugh, i hate the word journey right um <laughs> whenever um maths is the best one of this married at first sight i referenced it last time didn't i but um they they have to write their vowels to each other these are people that have never met who get married right and and they always talk about our journey together and every time they do that i take a drink it's like maths bingo it's such a cliche i it hate is. referring to people's lives as journeys and their stories as journeys but i sort of feel their journey will unfold and i think it'll be interesting but at the moment good grief it's pretty for viewing been there done that right so 
I wish we had more to say. I do, but um, not really a lot more than last week. So yeah, let's move on. Yeah. Um, so Sean and Victoria meet at the airport. Um, there's a distinct lack of that moment that I'm sure she's been envisioning in her head for however long they've been speaking two years right self-referencing again last week we were talking about those moments when people meet at the airport and how they get us every time yes because we're basic bitches but i've never seen one like this before it was amazing no (laughs) like absolutely nothing she was like i'm gonna do it i'm because from her point of view it was like it was all there right i'm gonna jump over the thing i'm gonna give him the biggest oh he just doesn't even notice i'm there it was jaw-dropping, the lack of engagement. Well, in fairness to him, there's not much you can do behind uh, a caravan load of luggage. Yeah, she goes, what, 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 what was this? He's like, these are my things. What he failed to mention is these are That's all of his else. things. <laughs> these are literally all his things you know what at least it was proper luggage though and not those laundry bags you know that some people show up with at the airport do you find that that's a fun game isn't it do you play the airport carousel game you know the people that have sort of got um like kitchen appliances like boxes and stuff like on the conveyor belt or these weird sort of bundles of of things and and you look at the people and you go oh i wonder who that's going to belong to and you always get it right it's it's the laundry bags that those big kind of tartan uh, laundry yeah. bags that you can only get at the at the laundrette or in proximity to one that always worry me because I just don't know they're always shrink wrapped. The shrink wrapping and is fun, isn't what it? What is in that that's going to spill? I've never shrink wrapped luggage. Right into us, blightedayfiance at gmail dot com. Tell us whether you shrink wrap your luggage. Yes. I, I want to know. Also, um, we are going to be um, interviewing an immigration lawyer. Um, so if you have any questions about the immigration process, yeah. specifically to the UK, uh, email us as well. And we will share those with our guest. We haven't confirmed 100%. So that's why I'm not saying, oh, it's this person. But um, yeah, lovely, lovely immigration lawyer um, got in touch with us and said that, you know, he he has some thoughts. Yes. Oh, and I also, while we're on the topic of, uh, of shout outs, I want to thank Katie so much for um, giving us a shout out on her Instagram. It was, I promise we didn't pay her, despite <laughs> the fact that we talk about having a studio in our garden. We're renting this house. Yeah. We don't have that kind of money. And she very, very generously had some very kind words to say about us. So um, anyway, back to where we were. Right. Um, So they go to the, they meet at the airport. There's there's no real um, hug and a kiss there. We then go to a static shot of them in a cab right next to each other, no hand-holding, kind of staring straight ahead. But he was sitting on the chair next to her. And in a way, (laughs) that's good. That's nice. You would expect a hand-hold or a shoulder, a head on the shoulder, wouldn't you? Um, But also, I find that really weird. If you've got three seats (laughs) and someone sits in the seat next to you and there's an empty seat to the left of them, as it was for, for him, right? There's just something really confining about that i didn't like it my eyes didn't like it 
Now, I don't know. I agree with you completely, by the way. It was monstrous. It was the worst thing he did in this episode. Sit on that seat. Well, the second worst thing was now look, I know that they're not gonna oh, go boy. to I know they're not gonna go to Niantic. I know that they're not gonna ask the creators oh, of Pokemon boy. Go to give them a usable graphic. No. But I'm not sure the one that they're using says what they think it says. <laughs> it's got these weird messed up eyes. It's like a zombie. Uh, we should explain. Whenever they talk about Pokemon Go, they put, first they have like this 1980s Atari arcade jang noise, which is like, where the hell's that come from? Um, and, and, and then this. And it is... The, it's so far from being Pokemon Go. It's hilarious. I kind of love it, but it just looks really beaten up and abused, um, which which also kind of makes me laugh. Uh, the show is totally clowning on Pokemon Go, and I should come out, shouldn't I? Yeah, I think you should. Yeah. All right. So I'm I'm kind of into Pokemon Go. I'm into Pokemon Go because um, my kid is into Pokemon Go, and it's a bonding thing, and it brings us together. And hey, today we were doing some uh, some some raids for Hisuian Braviary, you know, and that was good times. <laughs> that was good times. Now uh, you get the added bonus of people feeling guilty for judging you because it's something you do to bond with your son. Right. Absolutely. I used to get the same thing when I worked at Cancer Research. I, I used to have the same thing. It, it, it was great. You go to like a comedy gig or whatever, sit in the front row. <laughs> you know, they're like, uh, all right, so what do you do for a living? You say that and say, oh, fuck, I can't, I can't, take, yeah. can't take the piss out of this guy. Can't, can't. So yeah, come at me if you want for playing Pogo, by all means. I do it because I love my kid. How about you? Well, um, they do it as a way of connecting. I, I think as a sweeping generalization, this might be unfair. I don't know. Um, I don't think I've I don't think I've met many Japanese people. I don't know much about the culture there. It could very well be that like in many other places, it's just not a done thing to show affection to someone in public. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, but I've also seen, like, what she thinks he is. So she was saying before that she thought he was the kind of early 20s, you know, skinny Japanese indie kind of thing. And that is something I have experience of, again, because of things I've done in the past life. And and I know what, like, music fans alike in Japan, and they are very outgoing and very emotional and very touchy. Like, when bands go out to Japan, they their clothes are ripped from their bodies there's no reticence there so i think she was expecting that kind of energy which she's like you know seen in videos of like bands touring japan right yeah i i guess i feel that the narrative thus far from her end is he's lying he's lying he's lying but i think that there are a few things at play one of which is that i think if they had an hour with a translator a lot of these things could be cleared up. Secondly, I think that what he is talking about, about things being revealed in the right time, I think he's possibly, now I could be being overly generous here, but I think possibly he's just talking about things that are quite personal that maybe he's not ready to share with her in person yet. Yeah, right. So we take the money thing, for example. Is that mystery or is he privately very wealthy and just doesn't want to tell her that yet 
Like, imagine, for example, he inherited, like, billions. <laughs> he's an extraordinarily wealthy man. Just imagine, I mean, he's got a lot of credit cards, but maybe he says that just to explain, as a cover story for, like, why he can just, you know, spend money willy-nilly without apparently working, right? But maybe he's independently wealthy. I can under- We've seen before, um, on the current series of 90 Day US, you know, there's an, an a revolting human being um, who didn't tell his fiance when she came over and pretended that he was, you know, significantly less wealthy than he was because he wanted to test her to see if, you know, she was in it for love or in it for money. Now, I don't think Sean's doing that. I just think it is not unreasonable to get to know someone before you might reveal something like that. I'm not suggesting that is the case, but there's one imagined reason why it might be, right? And it's sort of a legitimate reason. I could probably come up with three or four more. Like he does something for a living that other people perhaps find really distasteful and it takes a bit of getting to know. Maybe he's a mortician, right? I doubt that. And it might creep people out. I mean, it could be any number of things. That's all I'm saying. No, but I think they're, they're one of one possibility, right? Is that he's living off his ex wife, for example. Yeah. It's a remote possibility, but it, it's a possibility nonetheless. I just, I don't know. And again, he's probably going to disappoint me and he probably will be a liar and a grifter. Yeah. But watching them try to relate to each other or watching her engage with him is extremely painful because another one of the things that she does, and I understand that this is a lifelong habit that's difficult to break, but for somebody who, where you're, divided by language you rely on body language and gestures right Right. so when someone says to you something quite serious and they're laughing the entire time that might be very confusing all right let's talk about the laughing it's a pet hate of mine and and i apologize to anyone that does it i have met many people in my life who laugh at the end of every sentence i'm not saying they're bad people and they need to be dealt with severely. It's not their fault. I get it. But it is one of the most, un- I think it's one of the most unpleasant personality traits a person can have, laughing at the end of everything you say. And I know it's due to nerves, and I don't blame anyone for doing it. But God, it pisses me off. And I find it really passive aggressive. Like it's a way of saying, I can say whatever I want and then I'll laugh at the end. And then you, any seriousness or any room for you to have any say or any agency in this conversation is obliterated by the fact that I just laughed. Like there was nowhere for him to participate because every single thing she said, she did that laugh at the end of it. It would drive me insane. That's the thing. I think that in those gaps, when she thought he was changing, changing his mind, I put in air quotes, He's just trying to get clarification. Yeah. Like, okay, London to Birmingham or, you know, because if she laughs at the end of every sentence, that's not, he's just trying to understand. I I think he was trying to get clarification on what she meant because what she was saying wasn't matching up with the way that she was saying it. Right. And then, and you can see her getting very frustrated. And I appreciate that it's frustrating for her to try to communicate. You know what else you could see? You could see him getting afraid. You could see like a fear in his eyes. Like, I just wanted some clarification over that thing. And you just, you like snapped right down on me for it and, and accused me of vacillating. But I don't think he did vacillate at the moment at all. I don't think he did change his mind or flip flop. I, I think he was kind of, I don't want to go to Birmingham. And then she made her case and he was like, oh, okay. And then she went, 
And now you've changed your mind. He hadn't. There's a little bit of that um, when someone gives you a gift and you don't have the the correct reaction to. Yeah. Like she wanted him to be really excited and he wasn't. I mean, it's Birmingham. I, I can't speak to that. I've never been there. I've only seen it on TV. I've lost everyone in Birmingham. I like Birmingham, actually. Birmingham's a really good time. And you know what? Given a choice... <laughs> I, I honestly think, given a choice of, well, certainly living in that hotel room or like finding a proper place to live in Birmingham, I'd definitely go to Birmingham or Wolverhampton, which is also a good time. I just think also just anywhere outside of London, particularly, and I'm guessing this was like 18 months ago, maybe, um, yeah. when everything's still kind of shut down and you can't really do much inside. I mean, it, it, it was unclear. They said they were going to museums and stuff, but... I don't, I can't remember. <laughs> but then they said we're, we're kind of stuck inside all the time. Right. And I was thinking, why are you stuck inside all the time? Because you could be outside all the time. If you're in a hotel, usually you wouldn't be inside all the time. So that was kind of weird. I'll tell you one thing they definitely weren't doing while they were stuck inside all the time. Going to the, going number two. Going number <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah they definitely weren't doing that she was having trouble even with number ones um usually on this show if someone's sharing a hotel room with someone else there's some they love to call it intimacy on this show don't they yes yeah well intimacy, none of that. intimacy is more of a i think more of a seeking sister wives kind of <laughs> yeah, all right. vibe but um similar thing victoria I have some advice, and this might be coming too late. Um, as someone who has holidayed with uh, male companions with whom I, I wasn't that close, you need to find the nearest Starbucks to your hotel. Yeah. And you need to um, go out for a coffee in the afternoon by yourself, you know, offer to pick something. Coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and do what you need to do then, you know, you can even get up before he gets up and you can, um, you can go then. Right. But any number of things really. To be fair, every city I ever go to, I identify my public toilets of choice. And, and, you know, I, I'm not saying I keep a little brown book, but I certainly, I certainly have my favorites. Um, most cities in this country, I could tell you where I would go for a number two. Um, and like, uh, and, and even other places like New York, I used to love Trump Towers. Um, not because I'm a Donald Trump fan, but because I loved the idea of sort of pooing on his building, on his golden toilet in the basement of uh, of Trump Towers. That was always a good place to go. Nice, spacious, calm, peaceful, not very populated. I can give you others. I'm available, blightedydayfiancé at gmail.com. If you're going somewhere and you want to know where you can have a poo, um, I might be able to help. Or on Twitter or or Instagram. Yeah. What's our handle? I've completely forgotten. Blighty now. Day. At Blighty Day. Yeah, yeah. Let us know. I was going to build an app once. Um, this is my great business idea. Um, like field reviews for, for toilets. Um, what are the chances that, you know, how well do the doors close? Are the seats generally clean? Uh, are they fairly soundproofed? Are they away from the action? Um, any number of things you might use a toilet for as well. I'm not advocating these things, but people do other things in toilets apart from number ones and number twos. So that could be, you know, it's good for this and it's good for that. And I thought that'd be a very helpful app. 
They cry in toilets. People cry in toilets. Yeah. yeah, this is a good toilet for a little bit of personal introspection. Um, we've talked a lot about toilets, and I think this is the perfect opportunity <laughs> for me to take a short break. And we're back. Yes, we are talking about Sean and Victoria. No, 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 no. We, as we record, are talking about the fact that our mighty lionesses just won Euro 2022, our first major honour for the women's football team. Oh, well done. Yeah, well done, lionesses. We're very proud of you. That's a big deal to any Americans over here. It's soccer. You have that now, right? Because of Ted Lasso, he did that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's big news, all right? Should we get back to the show? Big news. Yes. Okay. Good good things happening. Leo season. It's all coming together. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a Leo rising and a Leo moon. So, you know, if you want to know more about astrology, (laughs) I've just alienated anybody that was still hanging on. Um, No, it's fine. I'm a terrible, terrible cynic. So I'm here for you. But that's good. Yeah. You know, that's we balance each other out in that way. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say about Victoria is I think that the danger with relationships that are built primarily on fantasy, which I believe this one is, when you start to experience the reality of that relationship, it starts to feel like a threat. And then you start to sabotage it. And we're seeing that happen already she's already testing his loyalty testing his veracity the whole dynamic is one of an interview constantly right Mm -hmm. it's are you going to be this thing that i have created in my head are you going to live up to my fantasy are you going to deliver the things i want are you going to let me down it's like it's possibly the least sexy thing in the entire world I I feel for her in that I've been in that everything goes wrong, nothing nothing ever good happens to me kind of place. Like I understand it, but at the same time, if you're 33 and you're framing this as your last chance at love, it's not just an age thing. That is a major red flag. Yeah. You're putting way too much significance on something that, I mean. It's never too late. It really isn't. It really isn't. It might be too late for Victoria. (laughs) (laughs) If Victoria had spent the hotel money on a therapist, I think that would be advisable. Someone saved up some some money here, though, right? Because there's no... It's not that she has to go back to Birmingham to work. I know um, it was her in the, in, in the last bunch of episodes who met up with a friend from university, right? Yeah, but so I... So we weren't clear as to whether she's currently a student. So uh, I don't know if she's a student, if she's working, but, but the vibe I get is that she isn't, and he certainly isn't. So it's kind of weird. Like, no one's established how they're going to pay for a place to live in Birmingham for months and months and months. And they're not going back to like her parents or something. So that's weird as hell as well. No, I get... She's as mysterious as he is. Yeah, I think it's been presented and framed in in one way, but actually there's there's quite a few, not potential red flags, but actual Yeah, like she's flags. never been in a serious relationship before. 
Yeah. Your starter boyfriend should generally not be from the other side of the world. Well, I don't know about that. I it, Where I always stop myself with things like this is she frustrates me to no end. The yeah. way that she just walks into these very apparent acts of self-sabotage are really aggravating. But she's a caregiver and her father is very ill. That's right. And there are demands being placed on her by her family. And for all we know, maybe she can't have a regular job or a regular relationship because, you know, yeah, her yeah. her time is essentially not her own. And I I really I sympathize deeply with people in that situation. Um and in not a, a dissimilar situation, I think, not with caretaking, but with sort of conflicting loyalties, is our dear, sweet... Katie. Katie. Yeah. 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 No, I hear that. But it's not Sean's responsibility. And, and it's not fair to judge him according to whether he fits into that narrative. No, she really needs to take... And hopefully seeing herself on, on television will provide her with some opportunity for introspection. I I worry about her. Like somebody like Richard, I think will deal with fame or infamy very well. I know that's why I don't really want to be too mean to her. I don't want to be because, mean to her because either. I think the whole world's going to be a bit mean to her, but on the evidence of this episode alone, oh, mm, oh you're hard to watch. Just it was hard to watch. I know this isn't everything you can be, but boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. No, it was hard to watch and and not in a delightful way. I just felt really sad. Yeah. I also think that she's maybe pathologizing things that are completely normal. Like it's very normal to struggle sharing a space with someone when you're used to living on your own. Yeah, particularly when a large amount of that space is being used as a kitchen cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, get a suite, get something with a kitchenette, right? Like <laughs> that was a lot of food lined up along the bed there. Yeah, and yeah. that... That mattress was on the floor, right? I it, don't know what they're trying to. That felt like a hostel to me. It was. It was fun. Uh, there was a little kitchen area at the end of the bed where you can make your ramen, and then a little bed area where you can sexlessly sleep and feel uncomfortable, and then a little food cupboard area. Um, it was everything you need. It was, you know, homely. And a bathroom with a Dutch door. I'm guessing. Did it have really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just mean, I just mean, I, so I've stayed in a, I stayed in a hotel in, I think it was Paris once yeah. and it was very, very modern and very chic and kind of eco-friendly and all of that. Um, and the bathroom, I know that nobody can see what I'm doing, but the bathroom was basically um, a toilet and a shower yeah. that was concealed by a, a whisper thin pane of glass mm -hmm. from the bed which was right next to it yeah i'm familiar i've i've had hotel rooms where the toilet is literally in the room with no concealment at all it's where? just 
I can't remember off the top of my head. It's not something I've seen just once. Was it at Her Majesty's? (laughs) (laughs) It it may have been. uh, And was the hotel a jail cell? A little luxury place in Pentonville, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Hotels are really weird, though, uh, for things like that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a particularly particularly awful one, though. I mean, I get that they were saying they couldn't go out and stuff, so I suppose they were literally living in the room. And again, let's not play down the fact that we don't entirely know when all of these stories were filmed, but it is possible that this was sort of at the height of, of COVID. And, you know, frankly, you... I mean, there was certainly a time where you got some food and you were just glad to have access to some food, right? So I, maybe it's that. At least they had good food. I mean, I the restaurant they went to, Catery... I have not been to personally, but I've heard wonderful things about. I think it's Pan Asian. I don't. I don't want to say. For it all sure looked quite beige to me. Sure. To me, it looked like like the Asian equivalent of Liz's cooking. I wondered I, what what is the Thai for pork growler? I think it was Thai. Well, that's one less free meal we're going to get. Damn it! In Central London, but you know, I'm a hermit now, so I guess it doesn't matter. Um, speaking of. Grandma Liz. Well, hold on. We haven't covered the D-I-V-O-R-C-E, the West Country <laughs> divorce thing. Um, is Sean divorced? I don't... Mm, I, I don't know, because I would need to know the nationality of the person that he's talking about. I don't know where he got married. No. I don't know what kind of ceremony it was. All I'll say is I think there's something a little, again, a little distasteful about not taking the man at his word. And I know that precedents have been set and I know that he's a bit shady, but can we, given the benefit of the doubt, this comes down to communication or the fact that he's just not quite ready to say things yet and all the things we've already discussed. But that being in mind, when he says, I am divorced and I have a certificate, for her to receive it with a kind of, "Mm, we'll see, kind of... I don't know. It's just not very warm. No, it isn't. It's not the most hospitable welcome. It's not the easiest start. And it's not the most auspicious beginning to an international romance. Um, And the fact that her enthusiasm is fading already makes me sad. Um, So moving on from doom and gloom to the sunshine of uh, this or any program. That's a plane going overhead, by the way. Sorry about that. I think it's Katie on her way to Mexico to see Alejandro. <laughs> As we speak, she's flying overhead. Is that... Can I just see through the window? Yeah, that's... Uh, that. Give her a wave. She's Katie, <laughs> hello! Right. It'd be amazing if she jumped out with like a Union Jack parachute. <laughs> well, it wouldn't, because then she wouldn't go to Mexico, and we no, all wanted to go to Mexico. No, but maybe she was going to do a, a special appearance. Maybe she was going to parachute down to our garden. That's all. I just thought. Anyway, right. We're not in Mister Rogers' neighborhood, um, and also that probably didn't happen on Mister Rogers. Uh, anyway, this was another difficult segment to to watch. It was um, another accordion, wasn't it? It was another one of these. We've already seen all of this. We know that the story dynamic is neither one of them really wants to live where the other one lives. And both of them have families who really don't want them to leave. 
Yeah. yeah. And I I know you and I disagreed a little bit on on this point. Um I think that because uh, this is something that has that came I think it came up in the earlier episodes. You were saying that Grandma Liz should definitely let her go. I believe I sang Sting. <laughs> yeah. Um it really does have an impact on on an older person's quality of life. I know. Um, and I think those are very, very serious considerations. And I think I think Grandma Liz wears her heart on her sleeve and she's not gonna lie. She's not gonna hold back. Yeah. And it must be incredibly hard for her to say. I don't want you to leave because she's seen them together. She's yeah. seen what a what a happy couple they are and how happy he makes her. I agree with that. And I, I actually do get it. And I think it is a legitimate reason to say this relationship isn't going to be right for me and I need to find someone local, right? The, the problem I have with it is that Katie hasn't done that. She's still, lo- and of course she does. She, she loves this guy, right? And he seems like a lovely guy and everything. I think the problem I have with it is Liz trying to assert that he absolutely has to come and live there. If if she, I, all I want to hear from her is, and you know what, maybe he's having exactly the same conversation with his grandma back home and I wouldn't want his family to be without him either. And bugger me, it's a pickle. That, that, that's probably all. I, 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 I found it a little bit too coercive. The, it would devastate me stuff i don't i think that um i felt like that was more coercive on the part of production than anyone else because i i can sort of in my mind's eye see a producer being like imagine you know only seeing her once a year or having a year you know you can very easily their job is to whip people up into an emotional frenzy yeah it, it, it may just be the edit right so there was just none of liz saying and I'm sure that Alejandro has exactly the same issue. It's just that what we saw on the screen, and we can only talk about what we saw sure. on the screen, yeah. sort of slightly like shamed him for not making the sacrifice. I yeah, thought, you I know? mean, it, it and made it feel like Liz is the only person who has feelings that need to be considered. It it raises the tension certainly and the peril to have both sides uh, be that upset. I mean, <laughs> as you know, for for me, I mean my parents sort of were very happy for me to <laughs> to leave the country. Your mom wants to listen to this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she'd deny it. Um, well, think, we love your mom. Yeah, of yeah. course we do. And, and my we, dad. And, and I do want to say I love Liz. I still think that she's the most marvelous person in the show and she's just a sheer joy and – God damn, we all want a grandma like Liz. She's I think she's amazing. Magnificent television. And if they don't put her so in this country, it's called the Great British Bake Off. In America, for some weird reason, it's got a different I think it's the Great British Baking Show or something like that. Yeah. Um, presumably because to bake someone off in America is something. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just don't I don't understand. But anyway. Grandma Liz for GBBO, hashtag GBBO 2022, Grandma Liz. I want to see the pork growlers. I want to see, 
what she can do in the way of of cakes, of pastries. She can batter them. I want to see. Um, I want to see it. Yeah. Well, that glass blowing show we were watching earlier, she could do that. All right. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, Liz is amazing. Uh, everyone in this storyline is amazing. And that that's why even Alejandro's parents, because um, usually one side has got sort of, you know, pretty wretched parents. And look, they're colder. They're not as funny. Of course, they're not going to be your favorites, but they seem like really decent people too. That's a cultural thing, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think that's very much, they're on camera. They're taking it seriously. They're talking about their son's future. They don't know what show they're on. No. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder with this sometimes. I know. I really do. I mean, the, the question you always have to ask yourself here is, like, do people realize they're on the show? Like, when all of these people, and, and even Katie, and we love her very, very dearly, right? But she had an idea or someone found her and she thought it was a good idea to do this on camera. And, and that in and of itself is is an interesting wrinkle. And we'll get to the bottom of it. Maybe we'll talk to her someday. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Fingers and toes. Yeah. Um, yeah, what I liked about Alejandro's parents is that they were talking about supporting them uh, Alejandro and Katie in their growth as a couple and that they wanted them to be nearby because they understood that marriage can be difficult at times and they want to be there to help support them in their I know you hate this word but journey yeah um having said that I think if they saw Liz and I think Katie's got other really close family as well. We, I don't think we've met any of them, but she does talk about family, not just that one person. So I think that his parents would probably feel actually okay with him living over here. Oh, I in think the UK. they would too. Yeah. I think they would too. I mean, they don't want him that far away. The other thing that I felt is worth raising is I, I thought it was interesting about the um civil ceremony the idea of a civil ceremony rather than a catholic wedding because i think you thought he might have been married before and there are lots of reasons why he wouldn't necessarily mention that on the show yeah so i just think that's a possibility all right it's time it's time it's time to talk about dick the prick (laughs) now all trigger warnings apply you probably will not agree with this i but i want you to keep your mind open i want you to hearken back to a time several years ago to a video that was circulating around youtube of the count from sesame street where they replaced the word count with a beep oh so when we hear a beep noise, our ears are trained to expect a certain word, right? A few different ones. Right. Yeah. But in this one in particular, it sounds an awful lot like he's saying, I like to F and F and F and F and F. The count. Yeah. Right. The count does. But what I'm saying is you're not hearing the F word, but- your brain is okay. creating that image in your mind. Yeah, it's like a, a sweary Pavlov's dog. Yes, exactly. Right. So, and and if you don't know what I'm talking about, 
pause the podcast, go on YouTube, look up uh, the Count Sesame Street bleep video or something, I think. Right. So what I'm saying is there are symbols were being shown and words being thrown around that are not actually being used or said by Richard specifically. There are things that signal misogyny uh-huh. in this and signal toxic masculinity. Uh-huh. But we're but it isn't exactly the way that it's presented. He never says he does say uh British women are hard work. Yeah. He does say you should never marry the, the dirty girl. You mm. should have sex with the dirty girl and marry the nice girl, which I take tremendous umbrage with. Um, but he does say it. it's her decision whether she wants to live this way or not. Yep. I'm not forcing that view on her. I'm not forcing that perspective on her. She didn't seem brainwashed. She She seemed very much, this is what I want. I want to cook and clean for you. And you know what? If she wants that, that is absolutely fine. But, and I think we'll probably cover this a little bit more, she also says what she expects. And I think, here's the thing, we're giving Richard the benefit of the doubt on this episode, right? But as I expect will happen, he doesn't live up to her side of the bargain, right? Then he becomes all of the things that you might instinctively think he is, a complete bellend. Right. She, in in a weird way, this is actually one of the healthier relationships on this show. Because Be- they both know what they are and say what they want. Yep. And they say what their boundaries are. Yeah. Um, And she has said, now, before I get too far ahead of myself, I do want to point out that she's trying to come over on a work visa presumably sponsored by the National Health Service. Never seen this in the 90-day universe no, ever before. No. Someone going over legitimately on a, well, it's all legitimate, but on a work visa. But I think this is fantastic because it means that her livelihood doesn't depend on whether or not this relationship works out. Now, she may do some work here and the relationship doesn't work out and she decides to go back to the Philippines, but it's not contingent on whether this relationship works out. So she's not beholden to him in any way. Of course, there has been money exchanged. We know that that's kind of how he won her back. Won her back. I. This is another very unpopular opinion that I have across all of these shows, which is that a, a financial arrangement in the Western world is not necessarily the same as uh what am i trying to say i think that i i don't um cock the snoot at is that the right word I think i've never so. said that i don't um get snotty about the nature of people's relationships and how money is involved, except where that money is used to control someone. Now she could have returned that money and said that she didn't need it. And she's not interested in the relationship, whatever. I'm not, I don't feel that there's 
I think there's parody in this relationship. I really do. I think he knows. He didn't buy her when he sent her money. And, no. and she didn't give him any impression that she had been bought. It was actually quite sweet the way he explained it. As out of the blue, he sent money so that her family could survive the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So before we all judge Richard, again, got to take him at face value because you got to until you're shown good reasons not to, right? But how many of us can actually hold our hands up and say that we sent money to a family in the Philippines to help them survive the pandemic? I didn't do that. (laughs) Or that you sent money to your ex. Yeah, just out of the blue, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the side of Richard that I think is there. I actually think there's quite a sweet side to him. And I'm troubled by it. I'm troubled by it. Because I know, uh, I deeply suspect I'll be proven wrong. Ah, Richard, 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 Richard. I don't know. I I see him, I saw him immediately as a sad clown. I think that when you, I think that quite often, but not necessarily all the time, that when a man has trouble staying faithful, it's because he's phenomenally insecure and feels unlovable and unloved and doesn't trust in the love that, he's being given by the person in a relationship. And I think when he talks about British women having very high expectations or taking and taking and taking, I think he what he's really saying is, I can't live up to their expectations. Yeah, everything about him is loud and it's there's an attention-seeking thing. And this is always about insecurity, right? This is always about, dear God, please don't let me go through this world without making a mark. Because he doesn't necessarily inside himself feel that he is making a mark although pretty good idea for a business yeah i mean i'll I'll say this for richard i i would not want to work for him oh could you imagine i'd hate to have him as a boss i'd hate even more to have him as a client (laughs) i i cannot imagine um but you wouldn't mind him as a friend and you wouldn't mind him well theoretically he might he might make a good (laughs) life partner if you're on his team i think he's loyal i think he knows yeah i could see a relationship working with richard i think that i really do think that he has a good heart and i i think it's genuine i i don't think that this is for show and i'm encouraged by the fact that he can laugh at himself like someone on instagram and i'm i'm sorry i'm forgetting the account that it came from but it was some photoshopped thing of him and Bible Ben and I think Ash from 90 Day the Other Way. And it was like, you know, putting them in the same room or whatever. And I, I, and, and he liked it. I think he might have shared it himself, actually. So he's definitely in on the joke. He gets it. But what I will say that sets him apart from those two other men and lots of other men in the 90 day universe is there are quite often men who claim to be men of faith who have these expectations of their female partner because that's how it's written in the bible or the quran or whatever their book is right and their unassailable god yeah. who is desperate for them to have sex with a 26 year old woman um, yet seems to be throwing up all manner of obstacles to making that happen. He moves in mysterious he ways. He does move in mysterious ways. Often those ways are uh, 
having a beautiful Brazilian woman ghost them after taking all their money. I mean, yeah. it's it's not he. This man is not that. No, he's not standing on false principles. So here's the thing: we quite like Richard because he knows what he is and he says what he wants. Although I suspect there are underlying issues that he might address one day. And and I think the main fundamental thing is that he hasn't had to grow up. So there's a Peter Panness. And I think it's a cultural Peter Pan as, as well. So he reminds me of the prevailing culture in the mid-90s. Um, over here in the UK, we had a magazine called Loaded. Um, it was a huge success. Um, and it really defined the culture for a while. Um, this country around the time, like any of you, you Americans out there and people in other countries, you might be familiar with the whole cool Britannia thing, that whole, you know, and there was a time when Britain was really like, seemed on it and cutting edge and, and, you know, exciting and vibrant and the music was good and fashion was good and all of that. But actually when you were here, there was a bit of a cancer at the heart of it. And a, a few people have started to write really interesting books about it, actually about the misogyny at the heart of, of Britpop. And as a culture, it was pretty gross to women. It wasn't great to gay people. If it, there was a lot of punching down, a lot of punching down. We made jokes about fat people. We made jokes about women. We made, and there was so much of that. And I think it was that if the joke is funny, then the joke is fine. And I just think we've, as a world, we've moved on a lot from that and we could all name lots and lots of comedians who we sort of go oh fuck i found them funny jesus i feel terrible about it i was one of those people myself so i was a journalist at that time and i know i wrote some things that i will look back on and go mm, it's a bit off color but and the, the tv producer right yeah um i don't think i ever did anything horrible on tv um but I wasn't too bad. I was, I was probably one of the better ones. I was usually the voice going, oh, I don't know about this. But everyone else would be like, lighten up. Come on, it's only a laugh. It's just bants. And I was like, mm, is it just bants? Because I think there's a victim here. But everyone sort of come around to my way of thinking anyway. And, and I'm not saying I was the same because I know that I wrote some, you know, I regret a few things. Um, but everyone's moved on. But th there was a, a very, very famous DJ at the time. Um, he's still very successful. He's like the British Howard Stern, maybe. Uh, hugely successful. Lots of TV shows as well. A guy called Chris Evans. Not that Chris Evans. Not uh, Captain America. Not Captain America. Captain America never had a Friday night TV show where he degraded women. Um, but our Chris Evans certainly did. And again, um, he certainly... His career started in Manchester. I don't know if Chris Evans is Mancunian. Um, so the same sort of part of the world as Richard. And there is a type of man from Manchester in that era. Another one is Noel Gallagher or Liam Gallagher for that matter. Right. So yeah, there's a type of lad. And, and again, laddishness. I don't know if it's something that Americans will understand particularly, but laddishness. It was a big thing in the 90s and still into the 2000s, particularly in that part of the world. And it was tremendous fun. It was tremendous fun, unless you're on the receiving end and a victim of it. Now, most of us grew up from that because you see the wizard behind the curtain. You go, you know what? Punching down. I just don't think Richard ever did. I don't think a lot of these people ever did. I don't think they learned their lessons because they didn't have to learn their lessons. I think Richard might start learning a few of those lessons when people let him know um, in social. And hopefully he won't bat it all away. Hopefully he'll be like, yeah. Okay, now I see this on TV, it's not that great. But even then, and 
all of these people I'm talking about, their hearts were probably in the right place. And I work with a lot of these people. Not Chris Evans, though, just to be clear. <laughs> no, I got in a big fight with Chris Evans once. He told me I'd never work in TV again. I wasn't even working in TV at that time. And I really enjoyed telling him that. It was like, all the power was stripped away from him suddenly. It was like, oh, I can't have you fired. No, don't work for you. I love doing that to people when they think they can have you fired and they don't have any power over you. Anyway. I, I think the I think the cultural touchstone that many Americans in our target demographic, at least, of the people who watch these shows, might remember a Ricky Gervais character right. called David Brent, yeah. right, from The Office, where he's he's a sad clown like i said before it's it's a desperate it's a desperation to be popular and to be loved and this is how he relates to people and it's how he's he's built his business by flirting by being charming and reminding people of of times where that yeah. they think were happier yeah. and easier right i mean um it's true. I, I bet Richard would be the first per- person to say, PC's gone mad and it was all better in the day before we had to worry about not upsetting people and hurting their feelings, you know? Yeah, but he he doesn't, he is, he's not Tommy Robinson and he's not Lawrence Fox. He's not the, a, a humorless, above it all kind of world weary, oh, everything's... No, but I think humor is everything to Richard. Yeah. I, I think, like, again, it's a generational thing and slightly a regional thing. I think being funny is the only thing that matters. He's closer, he, in spirit, he's closer to Michael Scott or David Brent, Michael Scott from the American office yeah. or David Brent than he is to um, anybody who's... I, there's loads of American misogynists. I don't want right. to. I don't want to speak their names. Um, yeah. So that's where we. That's our very long, very long polemic on on uh, King Richard. And all of it will be proven wrong when he does something truly revolting. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. Well, should we whiz, because we've delved so deeply into his psyche and and, and labeled him <laughs> as a, a, a type rather than a person, um, but he is a type rather than a person at the moment. That's probably the big worry. Um, should, we, should we go through a few of the details of Richard's life? Yeah. So if I remember correctly, and I don't have my notes in front of me, but I he's he's invented uh, a sort of pub quiz empire. Um, it looks like everything kind of done off his own back and he's worked with some app developers and he's, he's got, it looks like a franchise type of thing, but he still hosts a fair amount of pub quizzes, which it's not going to translate super well. And they do have trivia nights in America, but not nearly on the level that they do here. It's not yeah, like every pub in this country, there are certain nights right? So there'll be the curry night when you can have a curry quite cheaply and there'll be the quiz night and, you know, a few others. And quiz night is a once a week regular thing, probably at most pubs, where you get into little teams of four and five and answer general knowledge questions. And if you win, then usually there's an entrance fee and you might get everyone's combined entrance fees if you're the winner or you'll get a big bottle of something from behind the bar. Good fun. It's big business, especially in... um 
I want to say kind of more suburban areas. I mean, yeah. they're in cities too. They're all over London. Of course they are, but it's, uh, there's more of a, there's more of a returning customer, yeah. uh, culture in the, in these other places. So it's quite an impressive business. Um, he, his house didn't look dirty to me. It's not like he's living in, in a hovel. He, or he said himself, it's in pretty good shape. It just needs to be uh, maintained. Right. Now, how that's going to be maintained when um, <laughs> Kathleen is working 70 to 80 hours as a an week NHS nurse, as a trainee NHS nurse, I, d- I don't know how well that's going to go over. Um, f- for those of you who are in America listening, over here in the UK, uh, the healthcare system is socialized, meaning we don't pay for it. Well, we do. We, yeah. Right. But we don't pay at the point of treatment. No. Like if you if you need an ambulance, you're not going to get a bill for that ambulance. No. If you need treatment for cancer, you're not going to get a bill for that treatment. No. Um, if you use the National Health Service. And unfortunately, and this isn't a news podcast and this isn't a, an NHS podcast, uh, so I'm not going to go into all of the reasons why, but it's basically been pushed to a breaking point, largely because of leaving of the bulk of the labor force leaving yeah. for various reasons. One of that those reasons is that they were pushed and are continuing to be pushed to the brink. Um, so I can God, that plane is loud. Has Katie come back already? <laughs> Oh, no, it didn't work out. Anyway, um, that is a point that is raised by Kathleen, who is already working very hard for her family. She looks after her mother, who has Parkinson's disease. Was it Parkinson's? It was. Yes. Um, So she is a a caregiver for her mother. She looks after the home there. She also looks after her, her family business, her parents' store. Um, she has a very nice younger brother who she's sort of passing the torch to in that way. Yeah. Um, but she's, she works extremely hard already. She does, but she has a quite a good life as well. And like, sometimes when you see these situations, you're like, I do understand why this person is desperate to get out, but not in her case. I think she loves Richard. I think she loves Richard too. They it's important to say also they have met in person twice. He has come over. Um his you can't blame her parents for thinking that he wants a, a sex slave. Yeah, it's a pretty reasonable assumption to make, isn't it? Particularly we have seen many many women in the prime of their lives uh taken from places in the Far East over to America with expectations that they behave a, a certain way. It is, it's, it's a hazard. And I would have trouble trusting anyone. I, I like that it was directly addressed. Yeah, me too. You know? So th- again, this is what I like about this storyline. Everyone, like, <laughs> there's no idiots here. Mm-mm. Everyone is fully aware of all of the potential problems, all of the circumstances that absolutely eyes open. And she's said, quite crucially, I think, that she's seen his vulnerable side. And she's seen his heart, I guess, that that we've seen, maybe. (laughs) 
And look, would I... Are you saying he has uh, traditional and sexist views, but a heart of a big heart, like his friend said? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, he he is a sexist, but he's got a big heart. Yeah, and and again, I, I question whether those views are are genuinely authentically him or whether that's coming from a place of him feeling inadequate um, in, in the face of women who have expectations of him beyond give me my money for the time that I've spent with you. So here's a question I have, right? Mm-hmm. Pub, 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 club, strippers, <laughs> more strippers, kebab, taxi. It, it was more strippers, wasn't it? I don't know. I think it was. And I'm like, what was wrong with the first strippers? Like, what changes at the first strip club that you feel the need to go on a strip club? What is it? It's a crawl. Now, look, I I don't have a, a moral objection to strip clubs. I just find the concept depressing. Um simply because i i just don't really uh i can't imagine being a man and wanting to take my friends somewhere where women are paid to pretend to be interested in me it's the going with your friends thing that is the really weird thing about strip clubs it's just really weird like you don't want your friends to see you in those circumstances no but i also think it's like why are we pretending i think i guess that's why it goes along with heavy alcohol consumption and things like that i should say also that i have been uh in a, in a mental, I'm not afraid to say this. I think you should always get help when you need it. Um, I have been in, in mental health treatment facilities uh, with men who um, suffer from various addictions. And sex is usually part and parcel of drug addiction or, or alcoholism or anything else. And the, and the pictures I could paint you from... <laughs> from those stories that would put you off put anyone off strip clubs for good it sounds a bit exhausting like that's a lot of pubs a lot of strip clubs and we haven't even got to the kebabs yet that's just and if he's doing that every night good god the man has stamina if nothing else i don't think he's doing it every night i think he's exaggerating that too well again we'll find out i guess we'll find out but the confidence i I, just the confidence with which he can say that this is what he does and how he lives is is really odd and really unusual because usually you keep that sort of thing private yeah that's why i think he's that's why i think he's refreshing and come at me again if you have a problem with it i think parity exists in this relationship not p a r o d y but p a r i t y and nothing to do with those squawky birds no i think i think this relationship is very healthy i don't know if it's going to work but i think they both have the right attitude about it you know and they're going into it without the pressure being on their relationship um, to make the kind of immigration process work. 
So it's going to boil down to one thing. I know we can probably leave it there. It's going to boil down to parity, right? It's going to boil down to Richard respecting the boundaries that she yep. has set. Yep. And her boundaries are, you can't stay out all night. You mm-hmm. can't flirt with other women. Mm-hmm. Um I will pick up your socks and clean and cook for you. And I will do all of those things. You have to do just these few things. And the success or failure of this relationship will come down to whether Richard can do those things. And if he can, and she says she's happy living with a man who is like him, then bloody good luck. Fine. I'm not going to judge the reason why other people find other people attractive if it works for her. (laughs) But if he doesn't respect those boundaries then yes, Dick is a prick. I agree wholeheartedly and completely. And I think that if this is, if this does turn out to be a successful relationship and a happy story, then it's going to look more like a romantic comedy. And people should really investigate their feelings about those because those... (laughs) That is the root of the root and the bud of the bud when it comes to misogyny and sexism and traditional gender roles. Did you just come for Richard Curtis? I, not Richard Curtis specifically. And this look, Blighty Day Fiance, we love everything British. We're proud of our romantic comedies. Look, I to- wouldn't be here if it weren't for Richard Curtis, probably. Didn't yeah. you? Didn't you watch? Four weddings and kind of think that one day you would marry a, a lovely girl with a mid-Atlantic twang like that, myself. That is exactly what I did. I also watched The Boat That Rocked and never watched anything else of his ever again. We're not going to talk about that. In fact, we're not going to talk about much more, are we? We're not going to talk anymore because we want to hear from you. So come at us on social media. We're at Blady Day on Instagram and Twitter. Fiance at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. We also have an exciting collaboration coming up that we can't yet reveal because it's not 100% confirmed, but we are so excited. We have some wonderful guests coming up for you later in the season as well. Yeah. So um, please follow us and let us know what you think. Yeah, of the show, of us, of the weather, of your husband's socks. Just tell us things. Yeah. Yeah. Or ask us things. Yeah. We're very open. Oh, yeah. Except about our religion, where we live, um, who our child is. I think we've covered like all of those things <laughs> in this podcast, actually. We said too much. All right, we better go. Love y'all. Love you. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.